Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. We have Rob Richmond with us today. Happy for, to be here. Thank you for coming, man. Yeah. You're a beast. 75K a month producer, built a million dollar agency. You look good. Is that a custom jacket? Yeah, from a while ago. I haven't bought anything new in a while. So <laughs> we were talking to uh, Steve Giordano, and he looked good, dude. And he's like, yeah, this is a custom suit. And I was like, I got to stop getting my suits from Express, <laughs> which they are actually pretty comfortable. Steve yeah. likes to look good. It's important. He looks to him. good. He does. You do too, though. What's the necklace? Uh, what do you got going on there? Uh, a Dave and Urban thing. Uh, Rena got this for me as a as a gift. You're newly married. Yep. How old are you? I'm 35. 35. How long have you been with Family First Life? A little over two years. Why did you come to Family First Life? I came to Family First Life from another company because uh, I wanted to grow. I wanted to get outside of the Dallas Metroplex, which is where I live. I wasn't able to do that. Um, capped being in like a 50, 50 mile radius, I saw the opportunity to come over here just with different lead strategy, uh, opportunity to build throughout the country, um, top comp. Just overall, it just sounded like a more attractive platform to grow. Who recruited you? Uh, technically, Greg Birch did. How hard? How hard was it to recruit you? It was pretty difficult. It was. Yeah, I was happy. I, I was ha ignorance is bliss, right? So you don't really know what you're missing when you're drinking Kool Aid. So how did he get you? Uh, well, he was a, he was Greg was an average producer when he was working with me at the other company. Um, he was a four to five thousand dollar a week guy, and then he came over here and started writing twelve to fifteen thousand. And I thought, man, there must be something to that. Um, I asked him what his motivation was and it was the higher comp, um, and just more leads. He didn't have the lead flow at the other company. He definitely didn't have the comp. So then he introduced me to Mark. Um, and then it was a slow play. I sat on it for like two months and it just, things happen. I think for a reason, timing was really important where they changed our marketing approach where we went from being a lead driven culture to just like renting out uh, community centers and doing social security seminars. And that, that wasn't the original job that I signed up for. So when this opportunity presented itself and Mark said, you can have all the leads you want, um, you know, light bulb went off and then thought, hey, I could really spread my wings here and focus on personal production and then, um, you know, build from there. So with that and previously you were only able to recruit just within your like zip code or a couple counties is how it worked. Yeah, and uh, it was challenging because even the people that that you could hire that didn't want to come into a brick-and-mortar office, that was coded as a remote agent, and even if they were in my backyard in Dallas, that they still couldn't be part of my team. Wow. So now you guys did a million dollars in April, right? Mm -hmm. So how much of your business do you think was outside of the Dallas Metroplex area? 70% of it. Really? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So it's just impossible to scale if you're just stuck in one little area trying to grow a business, right? Yeah. I mean, I remember sitting on the floor of an office space that, that Greg and I initially had wanted to get. It was like 5,500 square feet. And he's talking about how there's guys like you. And at the time, just you were doing big numbers. Zach, you, we were in the same spot. Doing nothing. At yeah. that point. Dude, my big numbers are nothing now. Like, we, I was doing 400 grand a year. Steve Giordano was just in here, and he did one point three million dollars on his own pen yeah yeah it was on the agency building side of things that the numbers were just cartoonish yeah they almost looked fake right it felt fake it felt fake because when you're starting here just as a producer it's like how do i go even at seventy-five thousand a month it's like well a million seems impossible like how do you do that 
And then um, the building side of things didn't really start until April of last year um, when, when the whole, when COVID uh, came and I had a choice of, you know, backing myself into a wall and kind of hiding from it <clears throat> or going out and just punching it in the face and seeing what, what would happen from that. And, and I had a good month that month. And then Steve and I joined forces um, and we did, I think, 290,000 in May. And then it's, it's just been, it's been a, a pretty cool ride over the last 12 months. That's awesome, man. Talk to us what it's like to run big numbers and build an agency at the same time. Whatever you can share to help someone who is having a tough time juggling those two things. It takes a lot of intentionality and discipline and not having any days off. So the intentionality is when you're dialing, you're dialing. You're not, when people would come into my office that we were joking about this last night, it's like, get out of here. Like until I had 10 appointments or 12 appointments set for the next two days, like I, I didn't really care what, what, like if my house was burning down, just call the fire department. Like I need to set two more appointments. <laughs> I was really focused on setting because I knew if I, if I put in the time on the phones, I'd drive around and pick up checks all week, um, which is what I had myself convinced of. Like if you just put in the time and you build a good schedule, you don't have to worry about no-shows quite as much. If you're setting real, <clears throat> real appointments, you're getting a little bit extra uh, info over the phone. And then you can you can then basically buy your time back uh, by setting good appointments. So backing up a little bit. So Mondays and Thursdays, obviously protecting dial time like like crazy. Monday was the only day that I wasn't running appointments because I wanted that just to be like office time. I wanted that to be after I'd set my appointments for a few hours in the morning, I'd come in with appointments and then I'd spend the rest of the time developing uh, the team, doing agency calls, doing coaching, doing one-on-ones, um, accountability sessions, um, and so forth. That then that then changed when I when I wanted to staff up and I wanted to you know write a little bit more, but Tuesday Wednesday I would set um, eight appointments. So I set twenty one appointments for the week and and what I would essentially do is run three appointments a day, and I did that so I had no excuse on not having the time to recruit to develop to run meetings do Zoom calls because again we're not just building in Dallas anymore. So how do we how do we close the distance between Dallas in California, Dallas in Maryland, Dallas in Florida, Dallas in Ohio. Well, we'll just do Zoom calls, but that takes time, and you got to build that into your schedule. How do you uh, differentiate between like what you call a real appointment and mm. what some people set that aren't really appointments? Like, what's a what's like are some keys people can look out for to make sure they're sitting with people that are actually going to be there? So, quick sets got me in trouble pretty early on, where I just wanted to get the appointment, and for whatever reason, the the pressure felt like it was off if I just had a name on my schedule. And then it became really frustrating driving around and getting no-showed. So I just had to change my approach a little bit. So I'll get, I'll get more information and I'll be very clear with, with my prospective clients over the phone when I'm setting. Um, so mortgage protection, I guess, would be the, the easiest one because that's what I'm, I'm, I'm most experienced with. It's like, hey, Zach, Rob Richmond calling you about the mortgage protection response card you sent in on your loan through Chase. How you doing? Good good to look I was calling you because this is the type of coverage where if anything happened to you or dad the mortgage is taken care of for your family and that's what you were looking for right yep all right perfect so just need to get a little bit of information from you and then I'll have you right off the phone so I've got your address at 123 success lane uh, in Las Vegas is that correct yep and the amount of the loans for 300,000 right all right great now is that a new home purchase for you or a refinance it's a new home purchase perfect do you love it yep amazing if you like home yet are you still walking into walls in the middle of the night still walking into walls 
And I try to just get a little bit of yeah. extra rapport so they remember me. My thing was that if I remember those people, there's a better shot of them remembering me. Like if I don't remember the phone call, they're definitely not going to remember me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just do little things like that, do a little chuckle. All right, anyway, so I have your date of birth as, as blah, blah, blah. And then, um, you know, look, I get a ton of these response cards each week. So I have to do a little bit of screening here health-wise with you. So for the most part, in the last seven years, you've been in pretty good health. Um, no matter heart attacks, strokes, cancers, anything like that? Nope, none of that stuff. What about the small stuff? Do you take anything for preventative medications like high blood pressure, cholesterol, pain pills? I got me on like one blood pressure or something. Gotcha. And the same for dad, pretty healthy? Yeah, totally healthy. Perfect. So the reason I was asking you all these questions, Zach, is because I'm a broker. So what that means for you and Deb is I'm going to be able to shop and customize the best plan to not only fit your situation, but most importantly, your budget. So what I do with all my clients is set up 15, 20 minutes at the most, get together with you, go over all your options, answer your questions, of course. And look, if I can show you all something you like, great. And if not, no problem. Fair enough? Yep. I have perfect. So you're working, um, you're going into the office now, you're still working from home. Uh, office from uh, like nine to five. Office nine to five. So you get home around what? Five thirty, five forty-five. Yeah. All right. So Tuesday I could see at six, or I could do something a little bit later on Wednesday at seven fifteen. Which one of those is going to work better for you? Seven fifteen. Perfect. So I'm going to have that in my schedule now. Now, real quick, before I have you off the phone, Zach, the address to your house, the numbers to them. Where am I going to find those? On the house, the mailbox, or the curb? On the house. Perfect. And what kind of car am I going to see in the driveway? I just want to make sure if it's going to be dark around 715 that I can find it. Like uh, there'd be a Jeep in the driveway. Jeep in the driveway. Perfect. Now I'm going to shoot you a text message right now for my cell phone number. So if anything changes for whatever reason, just holler at me. We'll re-coordinate our schedule for another time and it works good in both of our schedules. So picture my business card and the day and time that I'm going to be getting out to see you, which is going to be Wednesday at 715. Okay. Look for that in about two minutes from a 440 number. Move from Ohio. Uh, but so when you get that, that's, that's not spam. That's me. So, so the entire point of doing all that was just to make sure when you were in the field, you were really efficient and you could spend the rest of your time outside of the field, just working on recruiting and hiring basically. Right. Yeah. And I felt very confident that if I set that kind of schedule, like if I set that appointment, um, one of two things is going to happen. They're going to be there and they're going to buy, or they're going to let me know ahead of time that they want to reschedule. And then rather than driving two hours back, like in traffic in DFW, it's miserable. Just probably like it is here anywhere else. I could use that time setting more more focused appointments or getting on the phone and doing coaching sessions with up and coming agents. Dude, that phone script was so freaking good. Yeah. It makes sense as to why you sold so much only doing it. Cause like I remember I used to have to run 30 to 35 a week to write that 70 grand mark, right? Maybe 40 because I would set less good appointments and I'd be running around and some days you get no showed a lot, right? Yeah. If you're new, you should record your phone script mm-hmm. and then compare it to what you just did. Mm-hmm. And if you think that you have a high no-show ratio or the leads suck, you should actually really, truly, it's like that Michael Jackson song, Looking at the Man in the Mirror. You literally should listen to yourself and compare it to what you just did. Because when I first started, I was terrible. I was fumbling over my words, over the script, everything. And that's why I wasn't getting a really good result. And it would have been, how easy would it have been for me to say these leads suck? Yeah, easy. Dude, I get that from someone every day. These leads suck. And I go, really? Because this guy this guy wrote 100K off those last month. Yeah. So perspective is really important too. So at the last company I was at, um, I joked, but it kind of stuck with me. As I, I said, these leads suck until you call them for the 14th time and then they turn <laughs> into great leads. Yeah. And I, you know, I've been at a couple different companies and every time I take little nuggets like that and just build it into my new marketing or, or just coaching approach, and that says a lot. Like these leads are, they're not, they don't pick up on the first call. Uh, rarely. And if they do, 
like that's probably going to be a shopper or has like six or seven different agents coming or they just wanted to set the appointment to get me off the phone or they take every call. So the harder my phone session, I would typically have a better week based on the level of difficulty. Like if people gave me a lot of heck, hell over the phone, you know, like I knew that that was going to be an appointment that an average or a beginner agent wouldn't be able to set. So I, I almost welcomed the hard sets. Yeah. My yeah. friend is an actual rocket scientist, okay? <laughs> and he's he wants to make more money. So he's starting to sell insurance. And you ever notice how really, 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 really smart people say the most simple thing ever? And you're like, whoa, this guy's actually just simple, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Well, he goes, he, he goes, you know what I learned? I go, what? He goes, they're called leads. They're not called sales. If they were called sales everyone would buy them it's crazy but leads you have to get you have to convince you have to show them the value to get them to buy them and not everybody's gonna buy right like dude that's like the most simple thing by the way do you guys know how to do a rubik's cube i know there's a formula i don't know how to do it though dude i stayed up till like (laughs) two in the morning trying to figure out this stupid rubik's cube without googling it yeah and i got like halfway now i'm gonna google it now you got to Google it, but That's your buddy so could funny. probably do it in like 30 seconds. Right? Rocket scientist probably has a simple way to do it super fast. <laughs> Peel the stickers off, re-put them on. And yeah, 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 that's it. yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. All right. So is your in-home presentation that smooth as your, as your phone script that you just did? Yeah, I think so. And you talk, you, you don't talk too fast, but you don't talk slow. It's like straight to the point. Yeah, it was good. I turn into a different person when I have to be like on camp, like not on camp, well, like this literally, but um, like when it's time for the show, you know, I, I kind of switch, like switch hats. Yeah. So I told someone, it's almost like you're a performer or like you're an actor and you have to do, you have to give everybody that you sit with the same ex- good experience. Don't get lazy. This is an exciting thing for them to buy insurance. Make it worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty high strung like just in my nature. But then when I get into a house, I'm like almost awkwardly calm because I want them to, I want them to feel like they have a lot of control. Um, but I think that's like the highest form of control is when you're kind of puppet mastering it, asking focused questions. Um, is my presentation smooth? I don't know, but I sit down and build a little bit of rapport and then say, so Andrew, tell me what you're looking for. And then I just kind of wait for them to tell me. And no matter what they tell me, I say, perfect. That's exactly what this is going to do. And and then you just guide your presentation towards what they told you they wanted. So like when I'm in there and I'm closing a pretty high percentage and I don't get sh- I don't get no-showed that much, it's like because I feel like they've been closed on a direct mail, whether it's new or old. I mean, in May of 2019, I wrote only – I only had old mortgage leads and did 96000 on on like the age stuff before anybody thought you could really sell those. That was just like the worst case scenario that was like your fourth level defense if you had no activity you get some of those and try to do it so developing an approach and understanding that if you can just set the appointment and they know really clearly why you're coming and then they're there like they're pretty much closed with their checkbook waiting for you and then they tell you what they're looking for because there is that part of it's not an act i really want to know because i like to go the path of least resistance um i think a, a pitfall that a lot of new agents will do is like they're so committed to what they want to sell somebody that they don't actually listen to what the client is asking for and then there's no sales pitch you're just giving what they ask for you don't get rebuttals i'm not good at, at overcoming objections at all i'm really pretty bad at it um so in the by presentation i i wrote so i could overcome the objections before i ever got them 
Love it. That makes sense. So you and one thing you said that like whenever whatever they say, you say perfect. That's why we're here, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you can explain the psychology behind that because a lot of agents go and like argue with people, right, on the phone and in the home. They're like I didn't fill that out, and they go, "Yeah, you did." Where you just go, "Okay, anyways." So just to verify on here again, this is your address, as we put as your date of birth. Mm-hmm. Can you explain the mindset behind not arguing with people and just kind of agreeing and moving forward? Yeah, so two pieces on that. So the not arguing with people, like if I'm trying to get their wall down, the minute you become, uh, uh, if you have any kind of conflict, like that mm-hmm. wall is going to go right back up. So rather than do that and biff the sale anyway and be like fighting and trying to like flex and be like, oh, well, I know what I'm talking about. Like I'd rather just not do that. Right. So if you tell me you want death benefit, I'm not talk. I'm going to talk heavily on the death benefit and by the way, if you get sick, there's living benefits built in this. And then the opposite. So if you're really focused on living benefits, I'm not really touching too much on the death benefit. It's like, so when you get sick, this is going to pay out. And by the way, if you don't get sick and you pass away in a car accident or something, this will also pay out. That by the way thing goes a long way. And then like, oh, okay. Because then you're not telling them that what you, what you want them to like buy from you. You're just saying, and, and also, there's just an added benefit of this without that being your, your primary focus. But... How great is that? That it also has this. And by the way, um, does that answer your question? Yeah, exactly. And, and then like the other thing is like rebuttals should, the earlier that the, you get a objection in a presentation, in my opinion, the quicker the rebuttal should be. So if it's in the very beginning, oh, I just want to think about this anyway, so I need to get a little bit of more, more information from you so I can do my job the best, even if you're trying to think. And not like diving in and, and wrestling with them in the opening of your presentation because then then you're stuck and you should probably just go yeah. on to your next one what time do you wake up i wake up before six um working on on that five and four forty-five. uh it's hard for me i go to bed a little bit later um my mind is always running in circles so i get to bed at you know 12 i get up at like five forty-five. that's that's a good amount of sleep now, b- before you came in, you said, what'd you say? Do you want me to be raw or do you want me to be politically correct or something? It's important to know. Yeah. Yeah. Because I want to know who, who my audience is. What was my response? Be raw. You said Please. Raw. But what does that mean to you? Like, do you have, what is, what do you have to share that would fit that? The raw? Yeah. Well, so like I, I just, I had to develop a, an approach that worked for me. So I was struggling a lot the first year. I, I said I, I didn't really start building until April. Well, that's when that's when I stopped really like trying to reinvent the wheel. But I just had to figure out something, that, a style that worked for me and an approach that worked for me. Like we're very different. So if I try to emulate how you run your business, I, I'm destined for failure. I'm similar to the way you do it where you put some pressure on your producers and, and they turn into diamonds. And then like Mark is, is, is a little micromanaging than hands off. Like how do, I, how do I incorporate all of that? And then Grady, I think just in my opinion, he's like always been the truest to his word. Like when he says something like his, his body language and his voice and his cadence like is in perfect alignment with his, with his, with his words. So I, I try to combine some of that. And it took me a year of doing everything the wrong way, just being stuck in the mud. I mean, in, in, in May of 2019, we did... 150 a month, which was pretty quick because I was here for like six weeks to do that. But that never grew for like a whole year. And I was just, we were just spinning the wheels. And um, what I found is that the field is really easy. And that was, and it was selfish of me to focus on the field more than my team because I was making so much money in the field that why would I, why would I give back when that's more stressful? And I've never made this kind of money. I was used to making 300 a year. And then in nine months, I made 500 just with my team and personal production. So it was a really hard switch for me. 
And, and then for all of 2020, I even fought it. Um, so I don't know, the raw is going to, the raw will come out with the more questions that you ask. So I, I want to make sure that I'm sticking on. No, on I, I love all that. You. I love all that. There's a, that, there's a lot to be said of, that's not talked about when you're a producer and you only focus on pr production, you don't think about your team at all and it doesn't grow. Yeah. And then you get the biggest thing I think that happens is people, and we talked about this even last night, people get, they have their leads. Like, These are my leads. This is my income. And you can't grow if you think like that, but, it, and it's really uncomfortable to start giving your leads out to your agents. Right. But once you do it, you blow up, but it's just such a hard barrier to get past because you work so hard to accumulate a perfect lead flow for yourself. Right. Did it's, you go through that at all? Yeah. And it's really hard because we, this company is, is so cool because hard work is valued more than, than anything. Mm -hmm. So in order for me to, to work, like I work harder now, like what I, so I, I pulled out of the field two months ago. And since that happened, we went from 700 to a million, which is the craziest thing. And it didn't, and I wasn't able to really understand what people were going through without, without not writing 75,000 a month. That's not that relatable. So when people say they were struggling, like 15,000 isn't that bad of a month. Like if you're a new agent, 20,000, I mean, you got to meet people where they're at. So if I'm seeing, if I'm doing 75 and doing my three appointment, um, a day gig, um, and then I see somebody who's, who's saying they're struggling to do, you know, 15,000 in a whole month, like it wasn't that relatable, but then when I can actually dig into it and watch them and listen and just do little tweaks, suggest, um, so using words like could instead of should, like you should do this, but instead of saying that saying you could try this and see if you get a better result. Like it's just, it's less, it's less combative yeah. and people listen a little bit more. What are, what are some of your goals aside from money? Like what's driving you? Cause it can't just be money. No, it isn't. And it was money in the beginning. And then I saw where that got me. It got me, it got me stuck. Um, now I just want my guys to make money. I want them. I want them the, the coolest thing. I'll tell you this, this is, this is what feels the best. And both of you have experienced this several times, I'm sure. So I have a guy, Chris Wasserman, he's done $60,000, uh, back to back. And the coolest thing that he said was that before I took this job, he was a cop. He was making like 100 something a year, working 80 hours a week. And he'd go to the movies with his wife and two kids and they'd share a popcorn and they'd share a soda. And he said he went to the movies with his family like a month ago and they got three popcorns, they got candy, they all got a soda and he didn't have to think about it. He just did it and the pressure and the anvil of financial pressure like was off his chest. And the more people that I can help get to that point is the most rewarding thing in the world. And money comes from that. It kind of chases when you're putting good out there, the money comes. I love that story about him with mm -hmm. the popcorn. We were talking about um, with Steve G about how stress kills. And a lot of people don't realize, I mean, a lot of people may not think about it, but if you're stressed out, it's probably going to lead to other bad habits or other things, or maybe just being stressed out will shorten your life in general, For right? Sure. So what's the value, not the monetary, not, not monetary value, just the value of not having that stress, which could potentially have you live longer or spend more valuable time with the people you care about right. and getting set up to do that. What's the value there? I mean, it's so great. Like now I feel I was saying this to a laundry just sitting there like this is the most amazing job in the world when you put in your time and then you can get yourself to a point where you can be more of a coach than like than the point guard 
and you can you can just help. I mean, there's huge value. I mean, I wake up and I can come into the office in my shorts, and I can work from my phone or I can work from my pool and I can have impact uh, to people at a way higher level. Because here's the other thing about the field when you're trying to coach, and this is this is this was my struggle, is that I would give five different agents could ask me the same question, depending on the day I had in the field and the results that I was getting that day, my answer could be different. Mm-hmm. And it could be a, a hurtful answer, or it could be a helpful answer based on my mood because I had a hard time controlling my emotions and my stresses, if you will, when I was focused on if Joe and Mary are going to be home and if they were going to be healthy enough to qualify and how I'm going to chase my and how to outbury myself from chargebacks. When you, dude, when you write 900,000 a year, like you got it, 200 of that's coming off. And it always feels like chargebacks are way bigger than your advances. So then I might have had, might have woken up to an ugly uh, daily update. And then I had to go in the field and I got no show twice. Then I have this really up and coming agent that caught me at a bad moment and I, and I, and I snapped or I was snippy with them and, and then maybe they're not here anymore. And what if I wouldn't have said, what if I could have just been unemotional and productive with my communication and coaching? Yeah. I've never heard anyone put it that way, but I'm thinking, I'm like, I did that a lot of times. There's probably some good people that are not here because of that, unfortunately. Yeah. And I reflect on that stuff and how could I do, how could I do a better job? of of my communication so they're getting the same message yeah there's this book that talks about the way you communicate how it's literally magic and if you get really good at it they call it black magic and you can literally like help somebody become very very successful you could also break them down if they believe what you're telling them and i always called this and i don't know if this is even the right term but as as i'm developing a team, I would always say there's this thing called labeling theory where I would start telling somebody, dude, you have what it takes based off of what you've done so far to build a million dollar agency. And I would talk about, I'd start talking like that around them and they would start doing the things to have a million dollar agency. And I just think about that when you're all wrapped up in your own life and you can't, you don't take the time to think about anyone else because you're mad or stressed or whatever and you don't take the advantage of of literally do, using that tool, then it can slow down everything you're doing. And you know who the best person I've ever met at that is? Sean. Sean Mike. Yeah. By far. Dude, he takes people no one sees anything in. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, that guy's an animal. Yeah. He, he plants a seed of greatness in you pretty deep. He does. And sometimes it takes a while for that thing to grow and even realize what's happening until you look back on it. Yeah. And say like, whoa, okay, that was effective. <laughs> but, but I always ask this question to myself. Okay, if I hire someone and they do good, would they do better if they were working with Sean Mike directly? And do you think, what do you think the answer generally is to that? You, probably yes, yes, usually. For some reason, but it's probably that. Yeah. Or just even just the the expectation of greatness that he puts on people. Like, dude, he called me at like 4.30 in the morning for years. Yeah. And he's like, dude, you're going to build a big agency, and that this is what you do. And I started to get up at 4.30 in the morning and get done two, three times more than somebody would get done. It's crazy. And it's funny, too, because in the in the beginning as a producer – not as a builder, but as a producer, why am I getting up that early? Like I can't call clients, but then now it's, it's so it didn't make sense. 
And then now you can spend an hour and a half in the morning before your team gets up and you can formulate your thoughts. I'm big on writing things down because I go off on tangents a lot. So I like to write down my thoughts and then I can actually communicate clearly. Um, and, and I've spent more time in the mornings before I have my scattered communication throughout the day to actually like build out an outline of, of what the message of the day, uh, what I want that to look like. Is it positive? Is it, is it constructive? Um, and then communicating that and then lumping, lumping, uh, groups of agents and managers into text feeds. So then again, my emotions of the day or my frustrations can't be a different message. So I'm just doing my best now to give a uniform uh, message to the to the different groups per communication, if that yeah. makes sense. Andrew, I have a question for you that I think would help both of us. So like when we were in the field, we didn't communicate enough or effectively with agents, right? And now we're doing a better job. How do you make sure that you don't go the other direction too far and be a micromanager then? I don't I mean, I don't know, but micromanaging does not work. Or you've never done it. So what did you always, I've like, how did you make it. sure you didn't impose on people that didn't want your help? I mean, dude, there's a lot of years you guys didn't see of me not growing an agency at all. So those years, yeah, it was micromanaging. Um, and the only thing I can say is it doesn't work. And I do like to go back to, it's kind of... This, the, the, it kind of doesn't make sense because you say you can't keep the right person from winning here and you mm -hmm. can't keep the wrong person from not doing good here. But then you say, if you worked with a certain person, could they help you be successful? And I think the answer is they could help you be more successful faster, right? So I think you got you to gotta know, like Sean was talking about the money ball thing the other day. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Yep. And he was saying that in the movie, they would look at at all the players and they go, well, that guy goes to Vegas a lot. But the math showed that he hit, you know, three out of 10 times, he would hit the ball. So they're like, let's just go off the math, not off of if they partied a lot, if they did anything. And then they built that team and they were, and it was so cool. So I think you have to run your business like that and not take what anyone says or does seriously i mean what they say seriously only what they do because there's no amount of work that is too much for somebody that wants to work and there's no amount of work that's that's too little for somebody like it's always going to be too much for somebody that isn't motivated to work yeah i don't know if i did i if i said that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey so we're going to be out of ta time here in a minute i just want to say if anyone wanted to work with you how do they contact you uh, on our website, ffl-apex.com, under recruiting, just apply here. What about your cell phone number? 440-487-1499, uh, 24-7, call me. I'm available. So if someone's not licensed, licensed, wants to get licensed, lives anywhere in the U.S., doesn't matter. They could get a hold of you. They could work with you. They could be on your team. You can help them do what you guys are doing. Whatever they want to do, you can, you can help them accomplish that for their family. 100%. I cool. look forward to it.